You Can Mentor is a podcast about the power of building relationships with kids from hard places in the name of Jesus. Every episode will help you overcome common mentoring obstacles and give you the confidence you need to invest in the lives of others. You Can Mentor. Welcome back to the You Can Mentor podcast. My name is Zachary Garza, and I'm here with my man, Dylan Pohl. Dylan, say hi. Hey there. Dylan is with a nonprofit out of the Dayton, Ohio area called The Victory Project. And the two of us got connected through a friend of ours named Paul Heminger. Paul, if you're listening to this podcast, man, we are super grateful for you. You're tossing us guests left and right. And uh, that's how we found out about Dylan. So... Dylan, man, if you could just share with me about the Victory Project, about what's going on over there, just a 5,000 foot view, then we can paint a picture for some of our listeners about what's going on. So take it away, my man. Sure. So we are an after school program and we serve what we call disengaged youth. And, and so our, our goal as we're addressing what's been identified as the pillars of poverty, not graduating high school, criminal record and fathering a child before marriage. We, we combat that with what we call our 3E curriculum of education, entrepreneurship and enlightenment. I'm sure we'll get more into that in a little bit, but we're, we're targeting students who aren't involved in, in you know, after school activities that are you know, productive, whether it's a job or sports or any type of club and just being there for them to just kind of be that alternative for them and being that positive alternative that can be comfortable in, in growing you know, spiritually as a man. And yeah. Yeah, man, that's awesome. So I, I, I got an opportunity to, to talk with Dylan a couple of weeks back and heck, we talked for like half an hour or so, and just such a cool story. So why we're having them on the podcast is just because obviously most of the people who are hearing this podcast, we all work with kiddos, but I just loved how they were doing things. I just loved how they were set up. They have an awesome story. So their vision statement is an alternative to the streets for America's youth. Kind of like you just heard, they focus in on education, enlightenment, entrepreneurship, and their core values is to undo hopelessness with godly purpose to model work as the reward, to offer love and accountability, and to provide a safe and consistent environment for the kids that they serve. So, such a cool deal. Why don't Why don't you just kind of share about how you guys got started and your founder and everything like that? Yeah, absolutely. So our founder, Monty Bush, he was in law enforcement for about 16 years, and he sustained an injury on the job, which which kind of relegated him out of his traditional duties. And but while he was in law enforcement, he really saw a need for you know, mentorship and, and role models for these young men. He would often get calls from, from mothers who would just be dealing with struggles with their, their sons, you know, that generally or, or traditionally a, a father would, would you know, help the, the mother in. And instead of, you know, calling, you know, instead of the mother calling her husband to, to take care of it, they'd often call the police to take care of it. And whether it was, you know, the son just not listening or not wanting to go to school, Monty would often be called to those homes. And so he really recognized them using the police as like a surrogate parent. And, and, uh, you know, he'll tell you that at first he, he kind of, you know, questioned, you know, why isn't the church doing anything about this? You know, it's kind of, you know, just t- first taking the, the approach of, of pointing the finger, but then he, he pointed the finger right back at himself and, and, you know, said he is, he is the church. He is part of the church. And so after a couple of years of, of research and development and starting in 2007, where he would, you know, be going to juvenile detention centers and, and speaking to a lot of these young men who, who were incarcerated and asking them, you know, what got you here in the first place? 
you know, what was your environment like at home and, and outside of the home and, you know, asking them, you know, what would you do if you got out of here? And, you know, a lot of them would, would say, you know, I'd get new friends, I'd help my mom, I'd, I'd get a job. But, you know, Monty will tell you that, you know, most of them, because of the opportunities that weren't there for them, you know, locally, they'd probably just be going right back to that same group of friends who were negative influences and, you know, lack of, you know, employment opportunities in the inner city and, you know, basically going back to that same environment. And so as he, you know, continued to learn more about, about the, the needs of, of the area and, and he actually hired the, one of the, the students that he was interviewing in the juvenile detention center as, as one of his first staff members. And so that was a really cool part of the story there that now that young man who was one of his first, you know, program directors, he's now a, a successful plumber, has a big family and, and is just doing really well. Yeah, man, that's so cool. Like I, and if you guys go on over to their website, you can see a picture of Mr. Bush, Mr. Mo- Mr. Monty Bush. The guy's got a beard. He looks like a, looks like a caveman. It's awesome. Just a tough dude. I would not be, uh, I would not be happy to see him in a dark alley. I'll just say that much. <laughs> But I just think it's so cool that he, he saw a need and he asked the question, who's doing something about this? And he couldn't find the answer to that. So he just said, Hey, I guess I'll do something about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Even so much. So I think on our phone call, you told me that he started the program with his own money. Isn't that right? Yes. Yeah, so he took an all in approach. You know, he, he's the father of three, he's married and the whole family bought into it. They, they put their, you know, emptied their savings in to start it. They moved to the West end of the Dayton, which is, you know, the, you know, one of the more, the rougher parts of town. And, and, you know, they just wanted to let them know they've, they've got, you know, skin in the game and, and yeah, that's how it got started. Yeah. Right. I don't know what my wife would do if I came home and said, Hey, sweetie, we're going to use all of our savings and move to the other end of town. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah. That. So it was definitely <laughs> a leap of faith. That's for sure. Yeah. But without faith, it's impossible to it's impossible to please God. So yes, sir. that's an awesome story. So like, what's Dayton like? Like I, the only time I've ever heard Dayton is whenever I watch college basketball and the Dayton Flyers, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, man. So just like, why don't you tell me about the city of Dayton? And I think that you said the West end is kind of the, the area that might have a little bit more need than the other areas. And so, yeah. So yeah. why don't you just paint that picture for us? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, Dayton, Ohio used to be a, a kind of real booming city, you know, lots of, you know, manufacturing and innovation and, and, and as you know, you know, in the sixties and seventies, when, when, you know, the suburbs really started to grow and, and, you know, commuting became easier, you know, people started moving out of the city. So they were at, we were at about 260,000 people in the sixties. Now we're down to about 150,000. Okay. And so, you know, it, it's been on the decline almost every decade since then. But over the past, you know, 10 to 15 years, there's been a real concerted effort into revitalizing Dayton, which has been really cool because, you know, it doesn't take much research to, to find that, you know, Dayton has been really hit hard by the um, opioid epidemic. And, or, yeah. And, and so, you know, as far, as far as per capita, you know, the overdoses are, are off the chart. But in the past 10 to 15 years, there's been a lot of investment in the city. You know, we've, we've got something called the, the Arcade and Innovation Center for Small Businesses. And, you know, the, the Wright-Pat Air Force Base is you know, a great presence in, in the Dayton community and, and people, you know, from that industry really pouring into to Dayton. And it's cool to just be, you know, kind of a small part of, of that kind of revitalization project of, of investing in the community and, and the future of the young men to, really, yeah, just pour back in. Yeah, man. That's awesome. So, so why don't you paint a picture of just kind of what a day to day looks like in kind of West Dayton? Yeah. So, you know, West Dayton, it's, it's definitely got, you know, more, more crime, you know, whether it's drugs or violence and, you know, the schooling right now is, is really struggling as far as, you know, attendance in schools and, 
And, you know, a lot of the teachers, they have a, a really tough job if, you know, students aren't coming consistently. And, and so, you know, we see that from, from our students. A lot of our students come in and they'll, they'll come in with straight Fs, right? And, and a big part of that is just not being consistent in attendance. And so, you know, we, we try to, to look into the, the, the roots of some of those problems. And a lot of times it's, it's transportation or, or just the lack of, you know, encouragement or, or the emphasis on, on academics at home sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like I, I can't imagine what it's like to be a teacher these days. Like such mm. a such a hard job, right? Yeah. I mean, like dealing with kids on a day in and day out basis is one thing. Dealing with kids who come, you know, from hard places is a totally different thing. And then whenever you toss COVID mm-hmm. and just all the interruptions and things like that, man, just that's an that is a that's a tough case right there. Yeah, COVID that was that that took a, a real toll on our, a lot of our students. You know, even even some of our students who were you know historically doing well in school, you know, and you know about a year and a half online just really did, did damage to their you know excitement or or their just their effort really. And and you'd think that all you have to do is open a computer and you're at school, that would make it easier to be you know in class. Yeah. But that, there's actually just much 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 less attendance because I, I guess I don't know if it's the buy-in and so there was you know, and, and not to the fault of teachers by any means, but you just, there's not a lot of learning <laughs> going on at all. Little, little to no learning. And, and so we, we saw our students, you know, grades and, and, you know, apart from grades suffering, just the learning, you know, more importantly, just wasn't there. And so, you know, we, we tried to be the, as helpful as we could tried to still be an asset to them during that, you know, with, with tutoring and, and some extra supervision there, but yeah, COVID definitely took a toll on these guys. Yeah, man. So, so, why don't you just kind of share about you and who you are and your family and how you guys got to Dayton? Cause that's kind of a cool story. So, <laughs> yeah, so I am um, married and the father of, of two young girls, Shiloh and Holland. And I went to uh, school in Lexington, Kentucky and a friend of mine who I went to school with, who's actually from, from Dayton called me up about maybe three or four years after uh, we graduated and said, hey, I've been working at this really cool place called the Victory Project and told me all about it, told me the cool things that they were doing. And at the time, my wife and I and, and our girls were in Indiana, her hometown. And, you know, after talking for about 45 minutes on the phone, he at the very end mentioned it was in Dayton, Ohio. I thought he was still back in, in Lexington. And I didn't have any, you know, negative or, or positive connotations about Dayton. I just played there in a high school basketball tournament several years back. And so the only thing I did know is that it was three hours away from both sides of our families and with, you know, two little girls, you know, didn't see that being a reality, but so I didn't even mention it to my wife. And maybe two or three weeks later, I just kind of ran it by her in passing. And she was like, Hey, let's give it a shot. Let's, let's go to Dayton. And so I visited it and, and fell in love with it. And three and a half years later, here, here we are. So thanks Nick for introducing me to Victory Project. <laughs> That's awesome, man. And then why don't you tell me about your title and what it is that you do over at the Victory Project. Yeah, so I serve as executive director. And so I, you know, managing staff, managing volunteers, developing curriculum, building partnerships. And that's kind of the, the kind of oversee the operational end of the Victory Project. That's awesome, man. So tell me what your favorite aspect of your job is on kind of like a day in and day out basis. Yeah, you know, I, I really enjoy seeing the progress these young men make, and it's it's not necessarily a, a quick progress. It's not overnight, and you, you wouldn't expect it to be. You know, as as one of our as, as you mentioned, one of our core values is undoing, and so you know a lot of what you know we're, we're doing as a staff is is 
you know, undoing you know, poor habits or undoing you know, perspectives on life that are, are not positive or productive for these young men. And, and through that undoing, we're, we're trying to instill you know, godly purpose. And, and so, it, it, like I said, it's not overnight. Sometimes it's four or five, eight months into their membership where things start to really click and they're, they're um, seeing themselves as, you know, as, as winners, as success. And, you know, you've probably heard that, you know, winning is a habit, but so is, is losing. And so if you get into the habit of winning, that's what you expect for yourself. And, and when these guys see their grades go from D's and F's up to, you know, B, C's and B's, and they start to expect higher for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's great. Like it's, it, it is such a, such an honor. Like just feel so thankful that from time to time, the Lord allows us to see some fruit, right? Like, oh my gosh, like Absolutely. this is, this is actually working. Like, oh wow, this is crazy. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. Man, so just like I, I love what you said about creating an environment so valuable to the students that they modify their behavior to maintain membership. So there's a couple things there, right? Like how, how do you create that environment? Tell me, tell me what you want that to look like. And then just the modification of behavior with kind of a reward at the end, which is that membership, which is that being part of something that's larger than life, right? Yeah, man. So could you just kind of speak to that just, just a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, we're, um, our philosophy is, is we're not designed to, to modify behavior, but again, to or we're not designed to correct behavior, but creating that environment for them that they do it themselves. And, and you know, a lot of our guys, you know, come into Victory Project, maybe not necessarily a lot to lose. And so our goal is to give them something to lose. And what that looks like is, is an environment where they feel comfortable. When they come in the building, just take a deep breath and, and relax a little bit. A lot of them, you know, when they're out in school or, or wherever they are, they may be putting on kind of like a, a tough front, right? And it's almost kind of, you know, forced, forced on them. And so our goal here is to create an environment where they feel comfortable to, to be themselves, but to, to, you know, be encouraged to grow. And what that looks like, you know, we, we've got a, a pretty big facility here. It's actually five buildings that have been kind of merged into one. And, you know, we've, it's, it's an environment of, of positivity, of, of structure, accountability, but it's, it's got, you know, got a big kitchen, basketball court, video games, music studio, pool, ping pong, you know, a lot, a lot of these, you know, recreational things. And, and then on top of that is, is our, our micro business. So like you said, you know, that's, that's kind of the reward and it's not easy uh, necessarily to become a member or to, to maintain your membership. You know, you go through an interview process and then a two week recruiting period. And, and after that, if you, you show that you're able to you know that you're a good fit here and that you're bought into what we're putting out, then then you sign a membership agreement and that membership agreement outlines what we expect from you, you know, primarily what we call AEC attitude, effort, and consistency. And so that's whether at home, at school and here at VP that they're, they're putting that in on a, on a consistent basis. And so if you talk to the students, you know, the, the environment, you, you ask them, you know, what's your favorite thing about victory project? Nine out of 10 times, they'll tell you it's the brotherhood and it's the friends that they're making and that the, the relationships that they're building. So that, that's kind of what the environment kind of feels like here at VP. So a kid comes in or do you guys go find them or what? Yeah. So for the most part, it's, it's kids coming in, giving us a call telling for generally it's a student giving us a call and saying, Hey, I hear you're hiring. And we'll say, yeah, you know, we do offer employment here, but that's just kind of one piece of the puzzle. There's, there's a process before that. And you actually have to earn the ability to work and as countercultural, you know, as that, that is, we, we strongly believe in it. And so they'll come in, they'll, they'll do that interview. And yeah. So, what does that interview process look like? I mean, I'm like, 
I am just trying to paint a picture of a kid coming in and, and he's like, I'm going to go play basketball. I'm going to go, you know, play some video games. And then all of a sudden they're like applying and being interviewed to be a part of something. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, so a lot of the students, we start with the, the tour before we do the interview. And so, you know, when they first come into the front office, it just looks like, you know, a nice little friendly office, but they don't see everything beyond that. And so whether they're coming in on their own because they want to get a job or because their mom has brought them and, and they're not super enthusiastic about it, once they start walking through the building and seeing, you know, the offerings and, and you know, the other students and, and, you know, the basketball, video games, open kitchen and all these good things, you see them go from like super lethargic and, and unenthused to, you know, their, their faces are lit up. So by the time they get upstairs to, to do an interview with their program director, you know, they're a little bit more emphatic about it. And now, obviously, we don't expect these young men to have incredible interviewing skills, but it's more uh, just trying to get to the bottom of, of what they want, because we are a voluntary you know, membership here. Parents can strongly encourage it. Within just a week or two, we'll, we'll be able to tell if the student wants to be here. And if, if they don't want to be here, they, they won't last long at all. And so, yeah. So do uh, you have any stories about what what a brotherhood looks like tangibly? Like, I mean, it's it is one thing to say that you're a part of a brotherhood, but it's a totally different thing to kind of feel that or to experience that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's kind of been in generalizations, you know, students, you know, a lot of, we'll hear several of our students come in and, and say, I don't have a whole lot of friends. I, I you know, kind of play video games at home and would like to kind of build on that. And and we've got students, we've got all, all sorts of students here, students who love sports, students who love, you know, video games, or, um, you know, who really are excited to work. And so, student you know no matter what kind of student we bring in here they'll they'll find a, a group of, of young men that they really click with and and so you know the kind of success stories of, of seeing that brotherhood is is seeing those older guys take those new guys under their under their wing and kind of show them the ropes and and show them what it takes to to be a successful member here and 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 you know especially see it on on work days on saturdays because it's not it's not easy work it, it's often you know you know, a grind, um, especially in the cold months when, you know, some of these guys are working outside and or, or tossing mulch and, and encouraging them. And, and that's part of being a, a good, you know, productive brotherhood is, is encouragement and accountability and saying, you know, to some of our new guys, Hey, we don't, we don't do that kind of thing here. We don't, we don't, you know, trash talk. We don't discourage students. We, you know, we build each other up. So, yeah. Is that type of kid who's a leader, who's saying those things, do you feel like that's taught? Like is someone from your staff encouraging them to do that? Or is it just that they love this place so much that they're kind of protecting it and saying those things out of, you know, their own observations, their own perspective? That's a great question. And really, I think it's a combination. It's, you know, we, one of our classes is life skills and character development. Uh, we have it every Monday. And, and so, you know, talking about building nourishing relationships versus toxic relationships, or there's, there's all sorts of other classes like financial literacy. We'll get into that later probably. But it's, you know, we, we really try to develop leaders. We actually have, you know, leadership opportunities with, with financial incentives. So we have each team of, you know, 15 to 18 students has a team captain. That team captain is, is really responsible for kind of the, the, the chemistry and the leadership of that team, that team captain gets coached by his program director. And yeah, so it, it, it's definitely a combination, but yeah. Like, I think that that's so cool. Just whenever you give kids that ownership that like, Hey, like, you know, this isn't my program, this is your program. And mm -hmm. any kid who walks in here is 
going to impact that program. And it's up to you whether that's going to be a, a positive impact or one that's not so positive. So, Absolutely. We, we strongly believe in ownership and, and you know, we, we actually really utilize students and getting their feedback in the program itself. We, we've, we use students to interview staff. We use students to interview other students to get in and again, to, to take that ownership. And when you really empower them with, with those responsibilities, they take it to an entirely new level. Cause you know, when I was their age, honestly, I wasn't given much responsibility other than, you know, some chores and uh, things like that. I never, certainly never led other students other than, you know, playing sports, I guess, but it, it wasn't like, you know, these, these students lead them on the job site. They lead them at victory project and, you know, post dinner chores, things like that. And, and then just being, you know, a leader and, and keeping the environment strong here. And yeah. Yeah. So I've heard you talk about the three E's education, entrepreneurship, and enlightenment. And mm-hmm. you've kind of touched on that some, but do you think you could kind of uh, give us a little bit more information on th- those three things? Absolutely. So each of these are, you know, kind of tied to those pillars of poverty. So with, with education, we're, we're, we offer tutoring twice a week and we've got just the highest quality of tutors, you know, lots of uh, engineers, lots of people from the Air Force base come in. And so we've got about 20 to 25 tutors that come in every week and, and, and work with these young men on their four core classes. You know, math is, is a huge area where, where students are, most students are a couple of grades behind, you know, where they should be. And, and that's, you know, its own set of problems and, and, you know, students graduating high school and, and really not being ready necessarily for some of those employment opportunities. But so we've, we've got education and, and on top of that, we have access to their online grade portals. So we can see what all their grades are, what, you know, what they're doing on tests, what their assignments are, and we communicate with their teachers and, and visit the schools and really try to be an advocate for them and, and kind of partner with their, their parents on that. And the education piece is trying to kind of attack the pillar of poverty that is dropping out of high school. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And then the entrepreneurship, is that kind of combating the criminal record? Yeah, in a sense of, of just, you know, being a productive member of society mm-hmm. and, and contributing rather than, you know, taking. And so if you're busy doing good things, it's unlikely you're going to be out on the streets committing crime and, and getting locked up. And yeah, so as far as entrepreneurship, we've got a, a micro business called Victory Improvement victory improvement projects and you know our bread and butter there is is landscaping we do some other types of jobs in the off season like woodwork and a few other areas and and really what we're working on there is you know while in in a way it's workforce development we're focused more on work ethic development and and getting these guys used to you know working hard and and really going for the philosophy of a lot of these businesses who say hey we want to hire for character and train for skill because if you get them ready for that you know they can they can learn what they need to when they got hired and get the kind of the training on the job. But you want a guy who's going to show up consistently, who's going to be punctual, who's disciplined, good team player. And that's really what we're uh, working on, on with these guys. And then that last piece is enlightenment. Like that's a character piece. That's a life skills. And you guys kind of think that that's going to kind of curb the having a kid before, before marriage mm-hmm. or anything like that. Absolutely. So there's quite a variety of, of classes that we offer here. And, and so, you know, you know, financial literacy, you know, public speaking, problem solving. We have a series called the OG series. Traditionally, OG, everybody, most people know as original gangster here, it's overall gentleman. And so 
we, you know, teach things like, you know, the art of the handshake, how to tie a tie, how to treat ladies, how to dance, dinner etiquette, how to change a tire, all sorts of things. So th- this is a, you know, our life skills classes year round. We, we've actually started for, we've started a kind of a tiered curriculum for our, our uh, veteran students. We started a class on, on manhood, you know, of what you know, biblical manhood looks like being a, a good father and a good husband. And so we're, we're excited to get that with our guys. And so, I mean, you guys are having your kids interview staff. You're having your kids interview other kids. You've got jobs. You're doing things on Saturdays. You've got tutoring. You've got small businesses. You've got character classes. You've got Bible studies. Man, you guys are just coming at it from all angles, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a complex organization. And that's why, you know, after 13 years, there's still only one. You know, we haven't just like opened, you know, 10, 20 across the country. Because there really is a, a lot um, going on. And, you know, a lot of the staff is, are... You know, our, our hours are unusual. It's noon to eight. So, our, you know, our staff are, you know, missing dinners with their families. So there's, there's definitely a, a sacrifice element of it. We're open Saturdays. We're open holidays because as an alternative to the streets, you know, the streets don't close. So, but with that said, we are in the process of growing um, and we, we may get into that. Yeah, man, for sure. So why don't you tell me about what's next and kind of your expansion project and where you guys might see yourselves in the next, you know, five or 10 years? Absolutely. So we just purchased a property on the West end of Dayton. And our vision with that is having an additional boys program. So we're, we're building there for a boys program and then building a facility on that for a girls program. So we've, you know, we started VP for boys because, you know, we, you know, recognized as, as many have the extreme, extreme absence of fathers in, in homes. And so that's why, you know, we started with men and, and, and we know, you know, when a society is healthy, men are being leaders that they need to be. So that's why we started with boys. But we also, in our you know 13 years of existence, have you know fielded questions of, hey, why isn't there you know a program for girls? You know, we need one too. And and we see the little sisters of these young men come in and say, hey, why can't I be here? And that kind of breaks your heart, especially as a father of two little girls. And so you know we've we've kind of been waiting for the right lady to come in and 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 choose to spearhead that and. And we believe we've identified that person. And so we're, we're excited to, to take uh, that next step and growing in Dayton. And then from there, it's, it's kind of growing regionally and, and, you know, in the Ohio, you know, Kentucky area and, and, you know, wherever it goes from there. Yeah. Like, I think it's so funny how whenever I first started or run a mentoring back in Dallas, it was only for boys. And, you know, I was 28 whenever I started it. And I was like, yeah, we're a boys program. We only care about boys. I don't know anything about girls or anything like that. <laughs> then I got married and that kind of changed everything. Then I had a daughter and that for sure right. changed everything. So it's like, <laughs> man, all of like all of these guys have these, man, we're going to serve boys, 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 boys. But then they start having girls. And like, ah, I'm going to change yeah. this thing up. <laughs> so That's for sure. it's a game changer. Man, so I've I've heard you say high high expectations and no excuses. And so... Mm-hmm. That's a pretty strong like saying. And so how, first off, why don't you tell me what that means, but how, how do you say that while keeping like a safe, nurturing environment where these kids feel like they're loved no matter what, like they have a place to be? Tell me how you kind of balance those two things. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we, like I mentioned that the students that we're, we're targeting to be a part of our, our organization, these are our guys who, you know, we see tons of potential in. We know that they can have a bright future if that's what they, they choose. We know that God has an, an awesome plan for them, but most of them are coming in with poor academic habits and, and, and maybe just not making a lot of great choices. 
you know, at the time. And so it's a big undoing process. And, and we let them know, you know, they're signing this membership agreement, which outlines, you know, our expectations for them. And we don't expect that to, you know, their habits to change overnight. Of course, there's, there's a, an undoing process. And they know that if they don't, you know, work up and, and meet those expectations of attendance and effort and attitude that their membership won't, won't last a long time. You know, we, we want these guys to be winners. We want them to be successful and live the life that God has intended for them. And, and, you know, society will give them every excuse in the book why they shouldn't be. And we don't want to give them that victimhood, you know, mentality. We want to give them a mentality of a champion and, and mentality that, you know, that they're loved and the opportunities are out there for them. You know, sometimes it, it takes some grit, some grind to do that. And, but we let them know that, Hey, we're right here beside you and we're going to push you. We're going to push you probably more than you ever have been. We're going to, we're going to challenge you. And, you know, our, when I, you know, played sports, I had several coaches who would say, you know, don't worry about, you know, us getting on you and, 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 you know, riding you and, and uh, critiquing you. What you should be worried about is, is when we stop doing that, because that's when we've given up on you. And that's the same conversation I have with these young men is, is you know, it, it may not feel good when it's happening, when the accountability is happening. That's actually just a part of us showing our love that we care about you and, and your future and, and your success. And I think that the Bible's pretty clear about that, about how, you know, us as human beings, we don't really like discipline, but mm -hmm. why we get discipline is for our own good. And so that yeah. the Lord can teach us things and so that we could ultimately become all that he has for us. So man, that, that's, I mean, man, just, just last night, me and my wife were sitting out outside having dinner and my two boys are jumping on, on a trampoline. And <laughs> like, I just look over and my kid who's six does this like jump, kick, punch and like punches his little brother in the face and I'm like oh no like oh, wow. <laughs> so I like had to pull him inside and you know I had to give him a consequence and mm -hmm. he was crying and like dad you know he was like saying that I don't love him and all of all of all of these things and it just broke my heart but ultimately I could fall asleep that night knowing that I did the right thing because I'm like lord I disciplined my kid cuz cuz I saw him doing something that wasn't going to lead to life and I tried my best to correct that and I have to trust that you're going to make sure that you maintain that bond, that he knows that I love him, even when I have to give him a consequence. And it's kind of the same thing, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah. Kids, they, they crave structure and they crave accountability. They may not recognize that, but when it's, when it's absent is when, when it, it becomes kind of more evident, even just like using my daughter as an example, you know, we will generally, you know, put, put our girls down to bed and, and, you know, read, read to them. And, but occasionally if my wife and I are in the living room and they're in their uh, bedroom playing or something, and it's kind of past bedtime, they'll come in and say, Hey, why haven't you put us down to bed? And that's where like, you see, like naturally we all want structure and we want, you know, accountability or, or, you know, a portion of discipline. And that's when, you know, these, these guys are at their best. Yeah. And like it, I know for me, it can be really hard to like kind of discipline and correct over and over and over and over. And like, I know that one thing that we talked about was what it looks like whenever you might experience compassion fatigue. Mm -hmm. And so can you just kind of speak on that? Just kind of what that means and how that's played out. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, culture building is, is, you know, at the top, near the top of, of what we're doing here at Victory Project. And, and part of that is really living out our philosophy of, of creating the environment. Because when you work more on, on 
the individual student and investing everything you have into each you know, individual student rather than creating them the environment for them to be successful. That's where, you know, burnout comes when, when you see, you know, not, not all of our students turn out to be success stories. That's just the nature of, of what we're doing, especially with, you know, some the, our, our target market, you know? And so you've got to, you know, be comfortable with, with the, with the goal and, and with what we're, we're trying to do and just creating that environment and giving them that opportunity while still obviously investing in them and encouraging them and working with them. But if you can, you know, at the end of the day, know that you did what you could to, to help these young men be successful and that, you know, you trust in the Lord to, to take the work that we put in to, to develop these young men, then you don't see every, you know, disconnect or, or failure or whatever you want to call it as you know your fa- your failure and so that's where that you know the the burnout can is is common in ministry and yeah yeah for sure man why don't why don't we end with this just i heard you talk about a kid named taiwan why don't you just kind of share that story and kind of like the you know the example of what could happen when a kid goes through victory project Yes, absolutely. So Tyon was actually here when I got here and he had just uh, graduated high school and was serving on staff in our, our micro business as kind of one of the, as one of our crew leads. So he would take out the students, uh, the high school and middle school students to the work uh, sites on, on during the week. And, and he had been here for several years as a student, as a student, you know, you can ask him or you can ask Monty. He wasn't necessarily the, you know, straight A student or whatever. When he started, he was a bit of a goofball. And, you know, he, he came through Victory Project, graduated with VP and then worked with us. And then after that, went into the military. And he is just doing awesome. I really kind of bought into that and, and took off with that. He's the chief diesel mechanic uh, in the army. Um, he's engaged. He's got a, a fiance. And that's really where, you know, you know, we see these are these are the success stories of, of guys seeing purpose in their life and, and seeing purpose and, and the purpose that God has given them and, and really living out those those things that we've we've taught and, and tried to, to encourage. And, you know, we don't always see that the fruit immediately, but if we're planting the seeds, then these young men just, just kind of run with it. And also it's a maturity thing. I don't know how many of us were very mature at, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. You know, it, it takes a little while for things to click and but he's just doing awesome. And we have a lot of young men like him who just really turn into godly men. And, and we're, we're always excited to see that. And sometimes for, for staff, you know, when you first get here, you know, if you worked one or two years, you don't see the returns right away. And then once you've been here for a while and, and you see students come back and visit like Tyon does often, that's where you're like, it's like, man, this, this is really impacting these guys. And so that's really cool to see. It's awesome, man. It's all about making disciples, dude. guys are doing great work over there in the great city of Dayton, Ohio. So if uh, someone wants to learn more about the Victory Project, why don't you tell them how to do that? Yeah, so you can visit our website at victoryproject.org. Give us a call at 937-224-0880. We'd love to tell you about it. Yeah. It's awesome, man. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Dylan Pohl. We are super grateful for you and grateful for everything that the Victory Project's doing to advance the kingdom. I sure hope that you guys learned a bunch about just one more way to advance the kingdom through making disciples through mentoring today. And if you missed everything else, hear this, you can mentor. Thank you.